1: We're, gonna, we're not going to pass you again. Lawson! Yes,
0: sir. Let's go, man! Yes, sir. Dude, I, I'm, I'm telling you, we've been excited about this. I, I thought we lost you when we moved up. And I'm excited to get you
1: here. We're excited to get you here. we got a heck of a foundation growing, man. It's going to be fun as You feel me? Yes, sir. I can't wait. All gas, brother. Let's roll, man. Hey, I'm... What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host Will Parkinson at Will Paul Eleven on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Quick, uh, quick little segment here before we get into the Lindsey Jones interview of the Athletic and president of the Pro Football Writers Association. Um, you know, we, Jameson Crowder today. We we will talk about it in the pod a little bit, but officially, the Jets are going to restructure Jameson Crowder's contract. We broke it down for you. I broke it down for you a little bit last pod on some of the options they went with, and I thought the most likely option is exactly what happened been talking about this for a little while now and um I just think it was the best thing for both parties that the Jets can restructure get some cap space available especially in a position where they are pretty deep and then they're able to now allocate some of that money maybe it's Morgan Moses maybe it's a backup quarterback like Nick Foles um it's a corner like a Richard Sherman Stephen Nelson Brian Poole um and then carry some cap space over a potentially Marcus May extension but um all those things go into it the Jets are going to have you know retain Jameson Crowder who's been in their best offensive player for the last couple of years a guy that is obviously replaceable, but there's a guy that's you know still an added addition. Will be great for Elijah Moore. Will be great for Braxton Barrios, Denzel Mams, Corey Davis, his young receiving core, and he'll get to enter free agency at age 28 um, and get one big one you know bigger deal before he gets uh, before he goes over 30. Um, you know we'll get into the interview with Lindsey Jones right now. Just want to give that update. I think it's a good move on both parts. The Joe Douglas has continued to show he's ruthless in his aggression. You know towards getting contracts done. He's been you know, strong in that sense. He's not overpaid guys. He's been able to restructure both Alex Lewis and, and Jamison Crowder. this so offseason. he's been able to get rid of other contracts like Olivia Bell, um, you know, obviously is one Henry Anderson and other guys that come to mind. Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot kind of going on here, but I think the Jets made the right move today in, in restructuring Jameson Crowder. He'll be a free agent in 2022. The Jets will get him in a number. We'll, we expect to see, I expect to see that number coming in around, six to seven million dollars probably mostly fully guaranteed with incentives um and yeah we'll get into this interview lindsey's lindsey's great and i think you guys are going to really enjoy what's going on everybody welcome back to the turn the jazz podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will Paw 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by a very special guest today the athletic lindsey jones by lindsey jones on twitter the athletic nfl show um she's joined by robert mace as well on that show who we've had on the pod before and um, she had got a couple of big pieces coming out of vaccines and in the NFL, and things like that. Lindsay, how are you doing
0: today? I'm great. Well, thanks for having me.
1: You know, excited to have you on. Obviously, um, having that interesting period in the NFL schedule where there's always news, but at least for right now, it's slightly less uh, hectic than it's been the last couple of months and before we get into training camp. But how has that uh, kind of everything been now, integrating back into, you know, it's going to be like a normal season again?
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll be a normal season. I think the one thing that we didn't mention, I guess I should have told you this before. So I'm also the president of the Pro Football Writers of America, um, which is the NFL Writers Association, basically, Glover. so, oh yeah, with Bob Glover, who, uh, New York legend Bob Glover, who just won our career achievement award, that was really, really fun, because, uh, we got to kind of prank him, we got to, like, pull off a big surprise, which was the highlight of my week, by far, so, um, but so part of my PFWA responsibilities right now is, you know, really just, I mean, I want to say it's negotiating, but we don't technically have a seat at the table, so it's just a lot of conversations about what 2021 is gonna look like and what it's gonna mean for media access. So I'm doing a ton of reporting for my regular job, but I feel like I'm spending, you know, 15 or 20 hours a week these days talking to people with teams and the league and the players association just about, yeah, trying to get back to normal because we're, you know, while I have appreciated how familiar we all are now with Zoom and it makes things like this possible where, you know, we can do podcasts like this and actually see each other and, you know, you can reach out to more people, for reporting purposes, I'm super ready to just get back and actually speaking to players and coaches and staff members in person as quickly as possible, and hopefully in the locker room. At yeah, some no, it's in 2021.
1: It's, uh, if you guys haven't seen the Bob Lab, I think it's pretty awesome. He's one of the first guests of the podcast. Oh, great. Um, went to school with my dad, and, uh, whatever. So um, it's pretty awesome. You can
0: legitimately say that you have been reading Bob
1: you grew life. up
0: reading Bob, which yeah. a lot of us, we all joke, it's kind of like a fun running joke, but like you legit have been reading him. Yeah, no, it's reading him.
1: talking about like the 90s, came on, and I was like, I was four years old. I was like the first like <laughs> team I remember watching. He was like, yeah, I was in the peak of my career. Like I was like entering the peak of my career. It's just funny <laughs> to think about. But no, I think everyone kind of was hoping, um, even if you notice a lot of the NBA games right now, in the playoffs, the ones with the Nasters in the stadium, the energy is just so different. You got to feed off the crowd and not have to watch the game where they're watching the exact same thing we are um i think it's uh it'll be a nice refresher especially you know in the nfl when the crowds we just
0: want to be able to know more about what's going on i mean these kind of the the zoom press conferences are just so just like impersonal you know and you can't actually have a conversation where you can ask follow-up questions and so much of like the good stuff where you like really learn especially in game days like where you really learn what happened in a game is what happens when the t- i mean it's not that tape recorders are off but it's not a group of cameras it's where you can you know sit that you can stand there with a cornerback and say like okay well what was what was the coverage there they're down and like who was who had what responsibility and like take me through with that you know or it's a receiver take me through that route what was the call you know what was the what defensive coverage were they playing you with like you can get into that stuff that you just can't get on zoom where you can get really into like and those are some of my favorite stories to generally write on a Sunday when you're covering a game is like, you take one specific play and you get the, you know, eight or 10 guys about that exact play from both sides. And you just can't do that kind of stuff over Zoom. So we're just really hoping that, you know, by this fall, because it's not, it's not really about like us, you know, like, I like having that access, it helps me do my job better. But if I'm doing my job better, the people who benefit are the fans of the teams, right, that you're getting the information that, you know, you need and you want. And, you know, the benefit of having a credential is being able to get that stuff that you don't see when you're just watching the game on television. So hopefully, we can get back there. So we can get the fans of these teams and the fans of the NFL, um, kind of the, the really inside info that you guys are, you know, have been used to having for so long.
1: I know, I think I'm excited for twenty twenty one as as thinking the season as a whole, being in the stadium, is whether it's media availability, whether it's a fans, Kelly and all those types of things. One person I think everybody's very excited to watch play football this off play as fall as Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, for whether you're a Jets fan, you're hate the Jets, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's you know, he's an exciting, polarizing prospect. Um, couple of questions for you. One, what have, what's been your what was your take as, you know, him him coming out? do you think like he just me the right pick. Obviously it's too really tough. He's actually right. Yeah. But he, what has been the vibe that you've got, you know, watching some of these clips people posted all over the internet already so far, Zach Wilson able to use? Yeah,
0: I mean, he was just such like a clean prospect. Like it was this was such an interesting draft process, or draft class because there were so many really good quarterbacks. And Zach Wilson was probably the guy that we talked about least of that whole group. Um, Trevor Lawrence was probably the least talked about least buzzy number one overall pick, because it was just so clear that he was going to be the number one overall pick. And there, there wasn't really, you couldn't really nitpick anything with his game. But then when the Niners made that trade up to three, all of the focus shifted to what was going to happen with the Niners, because we knew that Trevor Lawrence was going number one. And then it was really, it became pretty clear that, you know, while I think maybe there was some room for debate of like, was Zach Wilson really the, the, The second best quarterback in this class, and time is ultimately going to tell that it was very clear that Zach Wilson was the guy that the Jets wanted. And that's what ultimately mattered, right? When we were talking about all the speculation about this draft class and stuff. So, and you know, kind of like with similarly with Trevor Lawrence, like there just wasn't a ton to like rip apart about Zach Wilson. Like there were no character concerns. There was no questions about like what sort of leader he would be or how he would fit in a locker room. There was not a ton of questions about like scheme fit or like you know, having a, a limited skill set. you just look at him and he is, you know, kind of the prototypical modern quarterback where he's got everything. He can make every single throw. He's got all of the tools. Um, you know, he's mobile because you have to be mobile now. If you want to be a quarterback in the NFL, it's so rare now to find the like, oh, he's just a prototypical pocket passer. Like that's almost like a detriment now as a, as a prospect. So there just wasn't a ton to like brag on him about, like, he just, it's just like, okay, this kid, he's ready. He's going to play in the NFL. Um, So it's going to be kind of fun to watch his development. And it's probably not going to be super seamless. Like there are going to be rough days. You know, I think mini camp this last week has been really interesting to watch. And, you know, look, Jets fans have been through this. Like you guys know the drill with, you know, rookie quarterbacks coming in and um, quarterback competitions and kind of this drill of, you know, that that there, there will be rough days. Um, But it was a good reminder where I was like, I think what Tuesday was the day where he was just like lights out, like the first day of mini camp. And it was like, oh my God, Zach Wilson is the truth, you know? And then the next day he goes out and it's like, it's a rocky day. And then Thursday was kind of back in the middle and that's what's going to happen. And when training camp happens, the one thing I want to stress is to not get too high over the really good days because there are going to be days where he looks really good. And he's gonna make those throws that remind you say, oh yeah, this is why we wanted this kid. This is why the Jets stayed put at number two. And this is why they traded Sam Darnold. It's because this kid has it, you know? Um, So don't get too high over those days. And then also don't get too low on the days where he throws five picks in a training camp practice Um, and certainly not in a mini camp practice too, because, you know, right now, this is the time they're trying a lot of stuff. They're going through a ton of install and trying to figure out exactly what their offense is going to look like new offensive coordinator, first time offense coordinator in a Mike LaFleur. I always, get my my LaFleur's mix so does Mike LaFleur I think everybody does I know I'm like even though it's you know even that Matt LaFleur has been an NFC championship game two years in a row I still get my Matt and Mike uh confused um but yeah first time offensive coordinator first time play caller rookie quarterback I mean there's a lot of stuff there's going to be a lot of growing pains right but yeah. what you want to see is his mental processing how quickly is he learning when he does make mistakes when he does have that practice in training camp and you guys are all at, at you know when they open it up it's at Florham Park and there's fans there and everybody's recording everything when he does have that bad day I mean throws a throws a few picks what why did he make them why did he throw those picks was it a pick that got you know, deflected and tipped up in the air or, you know, bounces off the receiver's hands, which it seemed like he had some drop, they had some drop issues earlier this week. Um, but yeah, it, was it a deflected interception? Was it a really bad decision? Did he, is he sailing balls over the middle? Is it because he has poor footwork? That, that context is important. Um, if they're, you know, kind of the fluky interceptions, you can live with that. If there are poor decisions, you know if it or if it's bad fundamentals then you, you know those are red flags but we're way too early to get into that but i just want to caution everybody to not get crazy worked up when you see like the stat lines from from mini camper training camper it's like oh he was he was 7 of 25 with three interceptions like oh my god he's terrible or the days that he's 10 for 10 with three touchdowns like he's probably somewhere in the middle, but, you know, yeah. I think he's, he's an exciting prospect. You know, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to kind of watching him develop. And, and I'm also just kind of like the 2018 class where I'm just excited to kind of watch this group together and we're gonna have fun comparing them forever, you know, the way that their careers go and, you know, how quickly they're able to, you know really make an impact with their franchises. Cause a couple of them have landed places where complete overhauls, a couple of these guys might not play right away um but you know I think it's other stuff we're going to talk about I think the Jets are in a position where they're they're kind of trying to do this the right way and set Zach Wilson up to have success if not immediately you know here in 2021 building this right where you know they're not going to be looking to draft another quarterback in three years like they were a couple years ago let's hold on no I
1: agree with you I think the biggest thing with Wilson that I've seen so far that I want to continue to see is just can he, every time he makes a mistake, can he kind of get that out of his head right away and move on in a similar fashion? Uh, compared to, you know, if he's a star pitcher and he gives up one solo home run, the world, the game's not over. Like, move on. You don't need to now walk the next three guys. My issue is for the Jets has been, as much as I defend Sam all the time, you know, he didn't do a great job that. Day. Like, he would make a mistake and then it would kind of steamroll into, like, two or three mistakes and then. Sanchez is the same thing, Gino, all these guys It felt like well, they could go 8 of 8 to open the game and then boom, one fumble, one interception, one bad pass, all of a sudden now they're 8 of 17 with two picks and the game's over. You just don't want to see that, you want to see the mental toughness to, it's not about like being a tough person and taking a hit from you, it's like being tough enough to know you can make mistakes, everyone make. everybody threw three interceptions and one half in title game he doesn't it just for him it's out of his head and boom the next play moves on obviously Zach Wilson's not Tom Brady it's just the concept that the best guys move on right away and the guys that can't move on can't ever really get to that next level but no I agree with you I think you have temper expectations you can be excited while also being like he hasn't even put on pads yet and not all the vets are even there so like let's maybe let's not get too crazy yet um but no, I'm I'm excited about him. In terms of you know another guy that obviously the Jets brought in, he's more almost the most, as important if not more important than Zach Wilson's Robert Sala. Obviously, um, I know you know you're in the you're in the Denver area, San Francisco's a little further, but at least you guys you know on the West Coast obviously catch more of the, the Niners on a weekly basis. What are your what were your impressions? Um, did you think the Jets would make a hire like that? And be like how successful you think he could be? Because everyone, I don't think I've heard one person say a bad thing about Sala in the last nine months or eight months yeah
0: i mean i was i was really curious like which direction they were going to go with that hire because i think we all knew i mean probably dating back to this time last year that they were probably going to be in a position that they were going to be making a head coaching change um heading into 2021 so you know it's not your it's not rare for teams to hire the opposite of the guy that they just fired but the trend is to hire, especially if you have a, a new quarterback, is to hire the guy who is the offensive head coach, the offensive mind. You, you hire so, the guy. All, where with, offense
1: is going. Uh, right.
0: Yeah. I mean, you hire the guy with the quarterback in mind. And the Jets kind of went the opposite direction. The Jets kind of de- decided, like, we're going to bring in the. Well, yeah, maybe he was the best defensive-minded head coach that they thought was out there this cycle, which has worked and and can work for sure. Um, but you know, it definitely screamed to me like we just need to go personality-wise as far from Adam Gase as possible. Um, I don't love it when it's like, okay, we're going to bring in just like this culture changer head coach. But I think Robert Sala is kind of that guy too. But I don't, what I don't want to get lost in the like personality-driven stuff and about like the way that he's going to run this building and the way that people are going to respect him and the relationships he's going to build. I don't want it to get lost of how good of a defensive coach he is. And he got a ton of praise in 2019 and rightfully so because of the defense that he coordinated for the Niners when they were the best defense in the league, almost the entire year, their front seven was so good. Their pass rush was completely dominant. He did a better job last year when they were decimated by injuries, where he really had to be like scheming stuff up. Every week and getting the most out of guys that a lot of us had never really heard of before because it wasn't Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner was gone and Richard Sherman was on IR for half of the year. So they really had, he really had to kind of, you know, lean into his coaching skills and his motivational skills and his ability to, you know, scheme things up, you know, do creative coverages and stuff that was going to get, was going to make them successful. And like, look, the Niners did have a step back last year for a lot of reasons, but it wasn't because of Robert Sala's coaching. So I think if anything, you know, he probably should have gotten a job after 2019. And the fact that they were in the Super Bowl really hurt his ability to interview for jobs and kind of really be in that rotation. But it was like a no brainer that he was going to get a job this cycle. And he, uh, he ended up, I think, in a really good spot where, you know, I hope they're going to be patient with, with him, you know, more patient than they were with Adam Gase, but I don't think Adam necessarily deserved the patient d- deserved a lot more patience. I mean, he was a second time head coach. I think it was maybe, probably not the best hire to begin with a couple of years ago when they, when they moved on and, and hired Adam Gase. Um, and I say, this as somebody who has covered Adam for a very long time and personally like have a good relationship with Adam. We've known each other cause I, I live in Denver. So I've known him since he was, he came in as a wide receivers coach, I think in two thousand nine. So like, you know, I've I've known him and covered him a really, really long time, but it just was not the right spot for him. It was not the right job, but the right, none of it, none of it was right. So, um, it just, you know, just kind of has felt like, okay, this makes sense. Like, this is a good fit. You know, I think he's made some really smart hires in the way that he's built his staff. And then, you know, I, you can, I think you can be excited about him, but then the other reasons that I think I'm optimistic about the jets is more so. The two years now have a track record of what Joe Douglas has done and the different moves that they've made, um, the way that they've spent, them, spent their money. Um, I think you can maybe sometimes question the value, you know, the, the, the value of trading up again in the first round. Like maybe the value wasn't the best, but I don't think you can argue with the player that they got. You yeah, can look at some absolutely. of the free agency contracts where it's like, okay, maybe, maybe that, that is a lot of money for Corey Davis, or that is a lot of money for Carl Lawson. But like those are really good players and when you've been a bad team for as long as the Jets have you just you got to get really good players and sometimes you have to maybe overpay a little bit and they had money to spend so it's not like they were one of these teams that was like sitting right up at the cap and they had no cash like they had cap space they had oh, cash, well, Jets always
1: and have they, cash that's part of the problem <laughs>
0: Exactly. And, so, and they went out and got the best players that they could with the resources that they had available. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's been a pretty strong offseason. I think it's maybe now been two fairly strong off seasons in a row in terms of acquisitions. Um, and that's, you know, that's what you want to do. If you got to, you know, if, if things were pretty much torn down and you got to rebuild it, um, it's all about just spending the money you have to get the best players you can.
1: Yeah, no, I, I the solid thing is for me, it's like, it's a great fit. And I think Anytime you come in and you follow up something that had like went so wrong so quickly, um, in terms of that whole regime, just the whole McKagan thing and everything with Gates just did not click the right way. When you bring in a guy that's all positive energy, all excitement, like I mean, I think as fans sometimes people overreact to how you know they're all at the Islanders game and then you know the whole team's you know crushing beers and Dan Feeney and the whole thing, which is super exciting, but. I think there is something to that. And I think when you're not a good football team and you start to have this, they've been, I mean, the season's been over by October for two years in a row. And it's been like, you know, we talked about how good you mentioned Sal's coaching performance this year based on, you know, the amount of injuries and being able to kind of out scheme some of the lack of talent. It felt like the Jets kind of did the opposite. Like if the guy got hurt, it was like, oh, the game's over. They can't win this week. Um, And I think that's something that's that's super imperative for them going forward of, you know, even if they're rostered, they don't have the best roster, even really. if they have the worst roster in their own division, just in talent, you know, so far, obviously, it'll continue to get better. But, you know, you want to have somebody that's going to elevate you not, you know, and be able to kind of endure crisis and, and you know, make the best of it. But, um, you know, kind of transitioning to that, where do you, I guess this is not the easiest question because you don't know who's going to be injured, who's not, you know, what other boosts we be made. But what what's, like, a realistic expectation for Jets fans going in 2021 is it I've heard people say you know Kyle came on the show and said the Jets need to make they should make the playoffs and they should be a nine win team and I've had other people come on and say if they win five games it's a huge success like is it somewhere in the middle should they have an expectation of like they have an easy schedule and they should win nine games I feel like it's probably somewhere in the middle am I wrong
0: yeah I mean I don't know if I would go quite that I, I don't know if I should go I think Kyle's trying far. to get them fired up yeah I mean I think you know maybe that is like that the ceiling you know the ceiling right there just because when you have a rookie quarterback it's so it's so hard to predict exactly like how it's going to go um but yeah I mean I think the floor is now significantly higher than it was so I don't think this is like a two win kind of team you know this is this should not be a team that we're talking about being in contention for the number one overall pick in the draft if that happens Something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. I hear a Spencer Wilson. Rattler
1: comment at any point from a Jets fan this year. I think yeah. I'm
0: Yeah, I mean, if that is happening, it means that something is really, really wrong with Zach Wilson. Not necessarily with like the way he's playing, but like something has gone really wrong like similarly with like what happened with the Bengals last year where you know Joe Burrow tears his ACL and he's out for most of the year and they're a bad team and so much of the Bengals trajectory is is tied directly to Joe Burrow so you know I think they're you know I, I don't think they're in that mix of playoff teams I don't think they're there yet I think it's this is kind of a long it's going to be a long process. I think there's, there have been a lot of roster issues that they're going to have to address. There's a lot of like learning how to win kind of stuff there, you know, a lot of defensive issues that Robert Sala is going to have to, going to have to deal with, but you look at now who some of the players are. I mean, I think there's some very significant upgrades, at some really important positions. Carl Lawson is the guy that I keep coming back to, but I mean, he was like one of the best free agents available this year and he I mean, I think he's super underrated because he played in Cincinnati. So he didn't get a ton of attention, a kind of ton of national attention, but he can be the perfect type of pass rusher that Salah needs. When sometimes you just need like a guy to go out there and get after the quarterback and make one play and get you that third down stop. Like Carl Austin is that kind of just get him, let him go, right? You know, where you're not having to manufacture different types of pass rush. You're not having to like, you know, rely, you know, live by the blitz and just to weird stuff. Like you have a guy who's going to be able to win like his reps most of the time. So I really, I really, really, really liked that, that signing. Um, I do think the tough thing about where the Jets are right now is that The Bills are probably the second best team in the AFC right now. And that's not just because they made the AFC championship game. I'm not just saying that because that's where they were. They finished last year. But I think when you look at their roster top to bottom, the way that their quarterback has been ascending, the consistency that they have on their coaching staff um, from Sean McDermott to Brian Dable, not getting a job last year, or not getting a head coaching job this year. So he's still there and he, he did such impressive work with Josh Allen last year. So I think the gap, there's, you're starting, at you know, a, a pretty rough spot where you have a lot of ground to make up with the bills. All of a sudden, you know, the Patriots are going to be better this year. I mean, I just think that they're not, I, I don't know how many down years a Bill Belichick led team, especially when he was very realistic about what happened last year and very clearly was like, all right, well, we're going to fix that. Our roster was terrible. We had nobody who could catch the ball. I'm going to sign 18 tight ends in free agency. And they go out and You know, make some moves like that. The Dolphins are really curious because I kind of look at them similarly, like maybe they're just a year or two ahead of where the Jets are in terms of trying to do this smart rebuild, bringing in the new staff, bringing in the new quarterback, trying to spend on key free agents at key spots. They just might be a little bit more advanced but we still don't know how their quarterback situation is going to work out. I don't think we know enough about Tua. I don't think we learned. It was good that he got to play last year, but I still don't think we know enough about like who he's going to be long term. If his career develops quickly, like if he is able to take a massive jump here in year two where he is the starter and offense is built for him, he's able to operate within that offense in ways that he wasn't last year. I mean, I thought it was really interesting very candid of him to kind of come out and say that like he wasn't able to check in and out of plays he didn't know the playbook that well and like how much of that was because he wasn't the starter for most of the year how much of that was because they were trying to simplify things for him I'm not exactly clear um but so yeah I mean I think I don't I don't think Jets fans would get super mad at me if I say I think they're fourth if we're power ranking the AFC East right now but I think they're going to start closing that gap and I think the competition. I think they're going to be more competitive, especially with the Dolphins and the Patriots, than they were a year ago.
1: But yeah, no. still, yeah.
0: maybe a ways to go to catch up to the Bills.
1: Yeah, no. It's, I my like hot take, I guess, is by the end of the year, he will be the second best quarterback in the division. I'm not super high on Tua. I haven't been for a while. My like play, my favorite take I've had recently was Herbert was going to be awesome coming out. I just I'm a diehard USC fan, and he tore up USC twice. So yeah, I. uh <laughs> kind of fell into the trap. I guess he landed in a good situation. A couple of quick things, obviously, before we finish up here. One situation that's kind of looming over the Jets right now is Elijah Moore is this, like, stud rookie receiver who's balling out. And then you've got Jameson Crowder, who's one of the five highest-paid slot guys in the NFL with no guaranteed money left. What would you, what do you do with Crowder? Because I feel like his value is not as high going into contract year. He's a slot guy. He's got a huge contract, so it's going to be harder to move him. But at the same time, the Jets really have the luxury to be moving off of talented offensive players at this point. I just, it's a weird situation. I'm not really sure what they're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, and especially when um, that receiver core has been really bad for a really long time. Like they may have, they now finally at least. Chris Hogan, he's a
1: professional lacrosse player. wide receiver one last year.
0: Yeah, that's, that's rough. That's really, really rough. So finally, it's like, you could maybe look at the Jets and be like, oh, this isn't the worst wide receiver they, you know group in the league but yeah I mean it's tricky I mean I, I don't think the Crowder contract was ever like it was never a great contract I don't think he ever like fully lived up to it at all I mean probably didn't even come close to it um so yeah it's tough I mean in this time of year it's like you're, it's hard to deal those kind of guys like if you were going to move on from Jamison Crowder like you probably needed to have already done that I mean they could probably keep dangling him out there until the trade deadline, which is after Halloween, sometime you know, early November. I think last year the trade deadline trade deadline was actually on election day, which was a choice. It was was a a choice that the NFL made. They could have changed it and they did not. Um, They gave all their employees the day off. They were like told everybody like in the league office like, go vote. It's a league holiday. But everybody who had to actually like pull off the trades. (laughs) Sorry. Um that seemed here nor there though. Um, So yeah, I mean it's going to be a messy situation. It's something that's going to be hanging out there. It's hanging. It's been hanging out there over minicamp when he wasn't around. um, When he, you're dealing with this contract thing, like the way that the CBA is structured now, like it's not going to be a holdout situation. Like he can't afford. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers might not be able to afford a holdout like a Jamison Crowder, like yeah, probably couldn't you, you don't, deal with you're it. Not, so you're not Aaron
1: Rodgers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so maybe there's some way that they can like shift some money around and give him a little bit more guarantees, or you know. I, I don't know, but I don't think he's good enough to necessarily warrant like wanting a new deal. So I and I don't know enough about the intricacies of like what's going on, but I would say the encouraging thing, like if you're looking at this from like a big picture perspective is that, you know, they have other guys now, like you don't, if you're the Jets, you don't have to say like, well, you know, this guy's unhappy and we're going to have to figure out his contract and stuff like you can say, okay, let's focus on Elijah Moore and let's focus on Corey Davis, you know, the guy that you already spent a lot of money on in free agency, because all of a sudden that, that group is not, it's not bad. I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, if you're Sam Darnold, you're probably like, oh, so now you, now you get some receivers. Now you
1: invest. Now no yeah, right. uh, you know i, I the crowd thing I think there's only the only three things that happen are either they restructure him they extend him and lower his cap hit mm-hmm. and it's kind of like next year they just do the same thing over again or they again a guy like it hurts or or Hayden Hurst needs to get moved also, and you kind of just like both teams get something that they don't have yeah um I want to finish up with one fun thing because they you guys on your football show um did a quarterback for the next five year man oh, sure. stuff like that and,
0: Zach um, didn't make the cut. Sorry. Yeah, Zach didn't
1: make the cut. It's okay. Although I think Trevor Lawrence is not surprisingly, for once, I think there's a situation that might be worse than the Jets have. Um, but Dak, I think Dak, you guys had Dak really high.
0: Nate and, Tice. Yeah, took had a, him like, at number
1: two. Yeah. So yeah. A, what was your reaction for people who haven't seen? And B, like. I mean, I think I have Dak as a top eight, top 10 guy. And I think that's, I think he's actually more disrespected than he should be, but he also makes enough money that he makes, you know? (laughs) So what was the kind of reaction or where do you think the thinking was there? Yeah, I I mean,
0: so it was, you know, the so the exercise was picking like the most valuable next five years. So it wasn't just for 2021. It was, we were trying to look at, um, independent of situation. So independent of like coaching, independent of who the teammates might be around him, who were the guys that you would want to build around? So if you were saying, okay, I get a quarterback, the the two things that stayed that were not like hypotheticals were age and contract. So those are the two things that you had to take into consideration of, okay, like, is this guy 24? So we're, I'm going to have him for ages 24 through 28 seasons um, what are we gonna be paying him? what's his gonna be his average salary over these five years? Is he like a Josh Allen who's about to get paid? So we might have one more cheap year but then he's gonna be making you know thirty five or forty million dollars a year moving forward. So those were the parameters. So you know I had when I made my like my big board um, we also didn't do it as a snake draft because just we thought for like podcasting purposes you'd have to you'd be the one same person talking, about two picks back to back. So I got really lucky. I ended up with the first pick, which was super obvious. Like you don't think twice about taking Patrick Mahomes. Right. I mean, that's just like, uh, you know, the, even if he's making, I mean, he's not going to play out the contract as structured. Cause nobody's going to play out a a like
1: year
0: Yeah. I mean, look, but like, I, I think it'd be fair to say for the five years, you know, he'll, he's it'll, he'll probably play for this one on five years or whatever, but there's no question that even it, whatever his like $45 million average, exactly what it is, but whatever he's making, like he's worth it. Like give him all of the money. It's fine. Um, But yeah, Nate decided to take him at number two, decided to take Dak Prescott at number two, um, just in terms of like where he has, where he's at age-wise, the complete package skill set. So he's more established than... The rookies. The the rookies are the second year guys. He's a lot younger than the Russell Wilson type of crew. I think we were surprised that he didn't that Nate didn't take Russell Wilson because Nate loves Russell Wilson. They were teammates at the University of Wisconsin. Russell Wilson also, I believe he's 32, but you know, at a quarterback with a quarterback, like you can take a 32-year-old guy. So kind of going into his prime still in his very, very much still in his prime. So yeah, I mean, I think we were surprised mostly because um the contract so there were a lot of other guys out there that are proven maybe not quite to the extent that Dak is but that also aren't making you know more than 40 million dollars uh, a year already so when you're talking about value but I had him pretty high on my board I wouldn't have taken him first but I might have when it circled back around to me at four I, would have I thought about it could, I, I would have thought about it yeah
1: yeah the one, the one last thing I want to quickly finish up with here before we let you go um, I don't want to get into the legal stuff with Deshaun Watson. I don't know the facts, and I'm just not going to get – I'm not speculating. Yeah. It's not my place. But there was some news this week. Kareem Jackson um, was on a sleep podcast and mentioned, you know, I've said in the beginning Miami and New York were the best two options. Denver was a wild card but didn't feel like it met. Like Miami's, at least for me, going to feel like that's the favorite. Um, and I still think if he gets legal stuff cleared up and Miami gets Deshaun Watson their Super Bowl contender – uh, which sucks as a Jets fan, but mm-hmm. um, Denver seems to be like this hot topic of Rodgers and Watson and all these veteran guys in some sense as a quarterback. And do you think there's any validity to like Denver making a move on either of these guys? It feels like that would have happened pre-draft, um, but do you see any of that happening? Because that changes the landscape of the entire AFC with that Denver roster. Oh, if they, if for that, sure. If they have either of those guys, I think they're right up there with the Chiefs and the Bills.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we have to take – Watson like just completely out of the discussion or any of the discussions and like what we just talked about our athletic football show quarterback draft we didn't even have Watson on the table because it's he just Probably would have
1: gone too based
0: yeah exactly like it's just because there's just way too many unknowns we don't know if he'll even be active this year if he'll play this year the, he, he probably will end up on the commissioner's exempt list um, at some point just depending on the timing of all of that so yeah, I mean, but but with the Broncos, like they very clearly have an unsettled quarterback situation, and trading for tre- Teddy Bridgewater a couple of days before the draft was not the solution. You know, like it's just like it's just a downer. Like I think you know I remember did some radio interviews and stuff that the week of the draft, and it's like if we're going into minicamp or into training camp, which we now are six weeks away from training camp, and the Broncos quarterback competition is Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater, like something's gone wrong. Something hasn't worked out the way that it probably should have. And I've been a little bit higher on Drew Locke than some other people have been. I mean, I think he has been objectively bad, his, you know, statistically objectively bad. I do think there are some redeemable qualities though about him. And the, the, you know, the physical tools and stuff have been there. There's been a lot of things that haven't worked out well for him. He's gone through multiple um, coordinator changes and scheme changes within two years. He missed a bunch of time as a rookie um, with an injury and that drug out longer than it should have. You know, they didn't, act, they waited to activate him off of IR for too long. I mean, there was just a lot of kind of like stuff out there. The issues with him have been his decision making and that like the processing the offense and those sorts of things that. He needs to get better at. I know there's a lot of people within that Broncos building who look at what hap- what's happened with Josh Allen in Buffalo as the best case scenario, that if Josh Allen was able to become a more accurate quarterback who also has some pretty undeniable physical tools in terms of arm strength and mobility, that maybe it can happen for lock I'm a little afraid that Josh Allen is kind of a unicorn in that regard. I mean, I think the the body of evidence of quarterbacks who are inaccurate in college, who never Became accurate NFL passers is very very large, and the group of guys who have done what Josh Allen has done is very very small. um But like, I, I get what Vic Fangio is going to really like about Teddy Bridgewater—that like, oh, he's going to play like ball control and you know, he's, he's going to be safe. Lose he's, yeah, but like, it's so boring. Like, that I, roster
1: is so talented. I mean, I know there's yeah. a lot of last year, but like, Cortland Sutton's really good, and like, yeah. no one talks about it. Like.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause I think he tore his ACL in like week two last year, yeah. but I remember I did go out to training camp a couple of times last year during like the COVID protocols and stuff. And like Jerry Judy was destroying people in training camp. Like his,
1: his burst is crazy.
0: So like, yeah. And like, he had a couple, he had a couple bad drop games as a rookie, but like Jerry Judy, really freaking good. Um, Cortland Sutton was a pro bowler in 2019 before he got injured. He's really, really good. And I remember him at training camp a couple of years ago, just like making like legit good defensive backs look like really silly. Um, Noah Fant, really good young tight end. They finally have an offensive line. That is not a complete, complete question mark. Um, right tackle still is an issue for them. They lost Joan James and the big offseason issue where he tore his Achilles working, working out away from the facility. Um, but yeah, I mean, the roster is really good. Um, So there's a lot to kind of like there, their defensive roster is really, really good, Um, but they just don't have the quarterback answer. And it's similar, kind of similar to what I was saying about the Jets and playing in a division where you have one of the best teams. The Broncos are in a really rough situation where you're playing two times a year against arguably the best team in football, and they have gotten further away from the Chiefs in the last five years, then, you know, their games against Kansas city last year, they were not, they were not getting closer. They were, it was getting more and more and more lopsided and, and, You know, so that's why when they drafted Patrick Sertan, you think like, okay, this is, is this design because now we have all these defensive possibilities and maybe we're going to, you know, match up better when we have to, you know, you're trying to think of like how, how George Payton and Vic Fangio are saying this, like, okay, we've got a guy now that maybe can cover Travis Kelsey, or we'll have more guys that we can match up when Tyreek, we can put somebody on Tyreek and somebody on, great, that's fine. But does that make you any more capable of like keeping up with the Chiefs and like scoring enough points and like making up ground in that division? And that's what I'm not, you know, I'm not so sure of. And that's why everybody here is just like out of their minds excited about the possibility that Aaron Rodgers could be available. I think it's a little, um, I don't want people to get too excited and thinking it's gonna happen because I don't think it's gonna happen but it yeah. is like it is radio gold and oh yeah my buddies who work in that's sports the, that's talk in radio, radio or, or, yeah
1: Just in the same spot two months ago and it was like do they trade two and 23 for john and the whole nine yards but you no know, it'll be interesting to see what happens like the, that division too it's like you know, Derek Carr and Herbert are not, uh, you know, they, like the Broncos the only team in that division without their quarterback, obviously, the Raiders or whatever. I'm
0: yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know what the Raiders, like long-term quarterback. Yeah,
1: long-term, I don't know. The plan Herbert thing is going to be there. Moments,
0: They've so. kind of been in those trade, you know, rumors for trades. But, yeah, I mean, if I'm those, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm the Broncos, I'm looking at, like, we got to play Mahomes and Herbert now twice a year. Like,
1: yeah, four year games. Like, goals. that's,
0: yeah. I mean, Herbert is really, really freaking good. I'm, and I I don't want to get too excited about the Chargers because it always, we always do this time of year. And then by August, like, we'll half lose their
1: guys are the yeah.
0: yeah. But I do, but I am very uh, intrigued by them. And, you know, just seeing kind of like, I think their ceiling is now really, really high. Yeah, okay. no, uh,
1: that's the goal, I guess. Right for the Jets is, you know, at the end of the day, we're up just, you know, obviously for Jack Wilson, I'm just nervous for the year next. I mean, if he has that, that's insane. But it's not even. Yeah. It's just. A, it's just for them to be able to get going the next off season, we talking the same exact time next year. So now it's like their expectation is they should compete within division, and you have your quarterback, have a coach, and at least you can build around that. So, um, obviously, we really appreciate you coming on. Make sure again you're following. Twitter, obviously the you know the NFL Athletic Show. Subscribe to the Athletic. I do. You're going to get a lot of great content, whether it's Jets stuff, NFL stuff as a whole. They have great baseball, basketball, soccer. If you ask what you're into as well, um, yeah. No, we really appreciate you having me on, and hopefully, uh, exciting season. And uh, you know, we'll get to maybe the Broncos to figure out a quarterback, and the will to too, and You'll we'll be able to talk about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad we were finally able to uh, yeah. oh. coordinate a time to do this. Yeah,
1: no. I- I appreciate it. And, um,
0: and my puppy stayed asleep the whole time we recorded. Yeah, yeah we got, got some lucky. sort of miracle. We got really
1: lucky, yeah, No distractions. It's, it's great. But we uh, <laughs> really appreciate coming on and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks.